Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Kenny Wolf. Thanks for being on the show, Kenny. Thanks, Whitney. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm honored to have you on. You're just extremely experienced in this business and he has 3,576 units across five different states. There's not many people I know who have done that and have that many units and, and has been as successful as he has. Uh, he's author of Investing in the Dream. He's a co-host of the Commercial Cash Flow Show on YouTube and Facebook Live, and hopefully we'll hear more about that later in the show. Give the listeners a little more about who you are and what you're doing, and let's jump into this recent deal that you purchased. Yeah, sure. So we've been buying multifamily real estate for the past over eight years now. And started out here in DFW, Texas, and then quickly branched out to Colorado Springs, Oklahoma City, Columbus, Ohio, and then the various states in between. So we've grown pretty quickly, and it was a great time to get started in real estate. Part of it's also learning the business, and and also we're starting to vertically integrate as well. So I think that's also helped push our count up and get us more efficient being a good operator. Nice. So you're talking about vertically integrating. Elaborate on that a little bit. What does that mean? About a year ago, I bought into an existing property management company. Allied Property Management is, I own 49% of that. That was a good existing third-party management company we'd used on one of our projects. They're looking to grow. I was frustrated with the other third-party management companies and they wouldn't listen to my suggestions. So I figured I would just buy one, buy into one at least. So anyways, that always helps when you get answers a little bit faster. (laughs) So, So we started doing that and then we're looking to possibly bring in another management company as well from another state. That'd get us about 10,000 units under third party. Wow. That seems so smart to me. Like instead of starting my own management company, why not buy into one? Like you, I mean, that just seems so smart to me. They've already got systems in place. You've already been working with them. Go ahead. I figured that would be such a big headache to start my own. So why not start with one? I really like to work with and they were open to growing as well. So it was a much faster way to get that going. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we could have a whole conversation just about that, but I really want to dive into this deal that you just closed in El Paso, 309 units. It's impressive. Can you give us high level a little more about the opportunity, about the deal, and then let's dive into some more specifics. Yeah, sure. So kind of the highlights are, this is the property that was a direct sale between myself and the seller. There's no broker involved. So it's nice to, once you get a reputation of someone who can actually close a deal, yeah, $13, $14 million purchase on that property. It was a direct purchase between myself and the seller, 309 units. It's eight minutes from our other property we have there. We bought 188 units about, I guess that was end of August of last year. So it puts us to about 500 units there in El Paso, which is really going to be great to have them so close because we cross-train maintenance guys, cross-train leasing agents. So it makes it so much smoother of a process for both our first property in the market and also obviously after that as well. Nice. Yeah, I guess give it, what type of property, what class, where are some other specifics? Sure. Yeah. It's a 309 units. It was built in 1964. So it's an older property, but it's all made out of cement blocks. So it's not going anywhere. Roof's checked out pretty good. We've got some touch up there, but the seller gave us a credit for that. It's got a huge pool. I mean, the pool's Olympic size. It's a massive. I've never seen one this big. Partially covered. There's a lot of stuff that once we get in there and dress it up, it's going to look really nice. Really good looking property after that. But I'd say it's a C, maybe a C plus right now. We'll probably take it to a C plus B minus. Is about where we can take it. But our basis is pretty good per door. 
the rehab we've got already kind of lined out. And this asset, actually, we started doing a pre-closed construction meeting, which is uh, pretty cool. So now once we've closed, we can hit the ground running and not wait for a week or two for everybody to start getting bids. We were already getting bids before we even closed. It's off Dyer Street. So Dyer Street is a, uh, is a major thoroughfare through there in El Paso. A lot of the retail is starting to come back on there. You can see it. So they're defunct Kmart. They've now redone the exterior. I'm not sure who's moving in, but it sure looks like a Walmart to me from what it looks like on the outside. And so, so that's good seeing some retail move back into that area. Nice. So you cut out just a little bit there just so in case I ask something you already answered. Why this deal as opposed to probably many others you looked at? And how many did you have to look at in this area before you found this one? This asset actually kind of came out of a lunch I had with the seller. Just took him out to lunch and said, hey, if you're interested in selling anything, let me know. And at lunch, he said, no, not interested. We're done with things for sale right now. And then two weeks later, he gives me a call and says, hey, do you want to buy this asset? And so we just kind of worked out a fair price and went through there. So that, that deal's a little strange, but there's three other deals we will have closed by, I guess, the week before Christmas to end of April. And those were kind of, quote unquote, off-market deals where it's five of us buyers looking at it before it goes to the full market. Today, we like those deals a lot better than the stuff that's on the market. It gives us kind of a leg up and first look, hopefully a discount on the price. What is the business plan for this specific deal and how long will it take to execute it? So this business plan, we plan to do a cash out refine about 18 months on the property. So since this is the second asset we bought from the seller, we kind of know what we're getting. On our first asset we bought from him, his market is just his classic units, so no upgrades. Those units were getting an extra 60 bucks a month more by just doing new carpet in the unit, that's it. And then upgrades are getting an extra 100 bucks on top of that. So we kind of expect that to keep going this property as well. We under only underwrote an extra 35 bucks more for the classic units and then an extra 50 bucks for the upgrades just to be conservative. But because it's so close and in the same kind of part of town, I expect it to have similar results as the first one, maybe a little bit less because it's a little bit low, maybe 5K less median income a year on the demographics, but it's same side of the mountain there in El Paso. Yes, cash out refi at 18 months. How long do you plan to hold this property? So this will be a longer term hold. So we do a cash out refi and the, our projections were between to getting back investors 40 to 50% of their initial equity back to them. That's a tax deferred deal. So you get that back. Investor can go out and invest that again hopefully with us or with somebody else is fine too. Get that back and hold it longer term. That's going to be probably another five to seven years and just let it cash flow for us quarterly and let the appreciation and tax shield and all the benefits you get with owning rental real estate. Enjoy those as long as we can, but probably sell it around five to seven years after we buy it. Okay. So the cash out refi specifically, is that something you'll do on most deals or? Oh yeah. So our goal is to get back as much cash flow and initial equity back to investors as fast as possible. I think on seven of them now, we've got 100% of their initial equity back in cash flow, including the refinance proceeds in like 32 months is the average on those seven. Okay. So, which is which is great. So that's our goal. We can't always do that, but that's definitely our goal is to get people's initial equity back as fast as possible. Would that be always a like complete cash out refi or is that also like a supplemental loan? How does that yeah, work? I mean, I, so I kind of use the cash out refi as because some folks don't know the jargon, but yes. So those will be either a true cash out refi or sometimes it'll be a supplemental loan, just depending on the debt we get going into the deal. Okay. And what kind of debt placed on this deal initially? Yeah. So we did a non-recourse bridge loan on this asset. It was a three-year initial term and two one-year extensions. So that way we can ride out any kind of storm any, if we get one through a recession which is great. gives you some leeway. And it was interest only for those three years as well. The lending was great. They gave us 
think 78% of the purchase and 100% of the rehab. Wow. It was just a phenomenal loan. So, but we'll want to do our business plan and then move on to a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan. Nice. So getting that kind of debt, you think that was because of your track record and experience? I think that's partly it. It's also because we already have an asset in El Paso, so we could point to the success we've had there. I think that's part of it as well. The more of these things you do, the easier it gets, <laughs> kind of all around. So, Yeah. What's going to be the most difficult part of this process for this specific asset, well, you know, being successful with this business plan? This deal that kind of hinges on, I mean, they always hinge on who's your on-site manager and who's your on-site maintenance. And our first deal there, we had to go through three different managers to, to finally find the right one. So we finally found her. So she's doing great at that at Matana Agave there in El Paso. But and she was able to get us a contact for the second one as well. So that's going to be a big deal. It's a 309 unit deal. So it's a pretty big deal to keep track of everything. We're going to have probably her and then two other leasing agents in the office as well. So it's mostly occupied. So it's like 92, 93% occupied. So we can't go in and just blitz a whole bunch of units. So it's going to be kind of a slow progression of getting units upgraded and doing that. But the first step we'll do, obviously, is to do the exterior. You got to make that look pretty. We're going to rebrand it. It was called Trails at Rancho Vista. We're going to go to Agave Courtyard as the name and then change the colors a little bit. They painted the brick, which is always something I don't like to happen, but they painted the brick. So this really great uh, red kind of earthy color. And then the other colors were yellow. So it kind of looks like a McDonald's right now. So we're going to change the yellow to something more up to date and more hip, but we got to keep the red because it's everywhere. So this one's a pretty kind of bread and butter kind of deal. Mostly occupied resident. We'll have some residents retention that when they're new sheriff in town, we'll lose some for sure. That always happens on these deals, but kind of one that we're working on now closing next, next Tuesday is a 400 unit deal out in Shreveport. That deal is 70% occupied. So that one's completely different from business plan on that one. The business plan is always to increase NOIs to max it out, but a little bit, it's going to be a little different how we get there because that one's very low occupied. I got low occupancy. On the 309 unit, what are y'all putting into rehab and what's per unit or total? So the total rehab on that deal is about 3K a unit. So it's pretty light. This is the second that we bought from the seller. So we know what we're getting on the air conditioning units, the flooring, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, he puts a lot of money back into the systems. So like the plumbing, the ACs, he did a lot of faux wood flooring like he did in our first one. So it's pretty light. I mean, the upgrade units are going to be a backsplash and cabinet fronts some fixtures because he's already done the faux wood in most of the units. He's already redone the entire bathrooms with a really nice tile bathroom finish out on the shower. It's a pretty easy one, actually. How did you meet the seller and build this relationship with him? So I bought a deal from him last year, took him out to lunch. So that's when you met him. Okay. Like having lunch with the Godfather. There were three people that came up just to say hi to him. So it's kind of funny to see that. He's a good guy. He's been there for a long time. So it was a good relationship build. So you should take people out to lunch and uh, ask them if they got anything to sell. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you free next week? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are you rebranding every property or is it just case by case basis? Mostly, yes. Uh, we bought an A-class deal that was built in 2018 last year. So that one, we didn't change the name. It's brand new. So that one, we won't. Most of the B and C deals we do, just to let folks know there's a new sheriff in town. We're going to offer new amenities. Okay. If I'm looking at BNC class, majority of the time, rebranding. I would. I mean, because especially these days when you have all those online about your property and Google reviews and Yelp and all those, right? So if you can rebrand it, rename it, that gives you a great kind of tool to kind of hit the reset button. What about uh, structuring this deal? How did you go about knowing how to best way to structure it? 
Well, we've done this for a while now. So we knew we want to do a bridge loan because we knew that the NOI was artificially low because the market rents could be pushed. And this is our second asset in the market. So we felt very comfortable doing that. The reason why we did that was because we avoided the big penalty like you do on Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loans. That's really what we wanted to avoid. That's kind of why we did the bridge loan aspect to it. Structure-wise, we didn't really change much from our typical structure. We don't do acquisition fees up front, but we also don't, don't have a preferred return and no waterfalls. We just do an 80-20 split of the cash flow, the refinance proceeds, and then once the investors get 100% of their capital back from some capital event, the refinance, supplement loan, or the sale, after that, then it gets to 80-20. So that's kind of our typical deal structure. We've done that for ever since the beginning. So. so it doesn't start 80-20 until they get their capital back. Is that what you said? No, it's 80-20 on the cash flow. So oh, okay. from day one, if you send out a checks and four months after we buy it, then it's an 80-20 split. And then on cash to refi, that's 80% obviously going to the investors. And then on a sale, that's when the investors have to have 100% of their initial equity back through either the refinance and the sale, 100% of that before the 80-20 split kicks in. Okay, wow. Investors really on board about that as opposed to when they hear that there's no preferred return. I've only had two people complain that there was no preferred return and they didn't invest in this deal, which is fine. But so far, we've had no issues raising money using that model. I think for new deal sponsors, it's a better way to go because you're not starving while you're holding the property. Because if you pref and you're just getting some money above that 7-8% per pref a little bit while you are while you actually hold the asset, it's going to be tough for you to grow as a small business. So the way we structure it, we kind of forego those upfront fees. Ours is always based on performance. If it does well, then everybody does well. If it doesn't, no one does well. With upfront fees, you're kind of rewarding them to buy the deal. But then they don't get paid until they sell it, really. They get a little bit, but not much to run an office or anything off of. So our way kind of ensured that we have this cash flow coming in so we could build our office, build our staff, everything we need, and just keep the lights going no matter what. And it always, and we're, it makes us aligned always with the investors. I like that. And any other details about that structuring that maybe the way that you're structuring deals now outside of that's a little different than normal or something maybe we hadn't heard of? Not really. I mean, our deal in Shreveport that we're buying next week, it's a 506C, so I can talk about it. But So we can only take a credit investors on it. But that one, we actually did the pref. We did a 7% pref on that deal, which is interesting. It was a $6 million raise. So we brought in Rod Cleef and Robert Ritzenthaler to raise half the equity. We're, we're raising the other half right now. So I'm finishing that off. But that one was the first deal we, where we did the it's a three-point acquisition fee, then a 7% preferred return. And then above that, it's 70-30 until 17% IRR. And then above that, it goes to 50-50. It just makes for a lot more math and a lot more explanation on kind of how it all works. So yeah, I'd say probably 90, 95% of the deal structures are, are typically like that though in the syndication world. The way we do it with the 80-20 splits, kind of an odd duck kind of thing to do. So what about the, or why 506C on this deal? I mean, it's such a large deal and we wanted to be able to publicly solicit so we can get a billboard in downtown Dallas or wherever to raise funds. So it was something we tried out. I don't know if I'll do it again, but it's something we tried out. So, Okay. How do you plan to market that deal then since you can really push this out? If you look on our LinkedIn or on our Facebook, it's all over that for sure. We've blasted out by emails. We've been on podcasts talking about it. So it's interesting. It was good to try out. I think we orphaned a few of our investors on our, our list that are sophisticated, not quite accredited. So I think that's the drawback. So I don't know if we'll do it again, just because you've you kind of miss those folks. Yeah. And what about your other accredited investors? Let's say they've been investing with you a long time, but now they've got to go through, I mean, it's not a lot of trouble, but some trouble just to show proof of funds that they're actually accredited. Yeah. I mean, they basically got to get a letter from their CPA saying they're accredited. Right. 
more growth through this third-party verification system. It's 30 bucks, I think 35 bucks to do, but so it's not a lot of hoops to jump through, but it's something that I don't know if we'll do it again. I think the 506B is fine. We've got enough of a following on our investor database that it's not really a problem. Okay. When do you close on the deal in this report? We're closing on that a week from tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Wow. What's been the hardest part of the syndication journey for you? A lot of it had to do with the third-party management because that was in-house before. That was a lot of headache because I didn't like their accounting. I didn't learn so much. I've got an accounting background, so accounting to me is kind of a big deal. If you don't know the numbers you're looking at are true and accurate, then you can't really take a pulse on the property, right? And we do so many deals that we've got to be able to look and, and trust an income statement and a balance sheet for that matter, on each of these deals. So there's different third-party manager companies have their pros and cons. But to me, that was the biggest kind of headache to deal with in the whole kind of syndication process. What is your buying criteria right now? A lot of the stuff on the market, like I said, we're not usually, I mean, we're looking at it, we're underwriting it here in the office, but it's something that usually we're pretty far off. I mean, we're looking at properties, a lot of market deals that come to us first. So there's 80s deal in Tulsa that we're looking at right now. 200 and something units. So we're looking at that. Like I said, we look at the new one, the stuff that's on the market as well. It's just usually those are properties that we don't really care to pay that price. But a big deal to me is kind of a metric that we've used a lot in the past is that when we've bought a property where the median income about equal to the price per door, it's usually been a home run for us. It's really not rocket science. There's a website called city-data.com. We've been using it for a long time. Type in the zip code, find your address, but it breaks it down further than that zip code on the all the demographics you could want. And it's probably too much information. But to me, the biggest number is to look at is that median income. Because there was a deal that was brought to us in Shreveport. The median income was 26000 a year. And so I said, no, I'm going to run away from that one. That's way too low. I don't care if I 20K per door. It's not worth it. How are we going to collect rent? at right. <laughs> 26K median income, right? We're looking for deals where it's, Whenever it's a one-to-one ratio, it's been a home run for us in the past. It tells me a few things. It tells me that the investor or the current owner is not running it efficiently. Otherwise, they would charge more rent or their expenses are too high. There's something wrong with how they're operating it. Nice. And what's a way that you've recently improved your syndication business that we can apply to ours? The biggest thing is we have IMS as our investor portal now. I think that's going to streamline things pretty well. All the investors seem to like it so far. They can log in, see their K1, see their documents all in one spot. And it'll also help us with our ACHs and everything like that once you get that set up. That was a big ad that we did this year. I'm also making all of our PPM and our subscription documents digital through Adobe or that. And then going through now IMS, it'll be even supposedly even easier with DocuSign, everything on the documents. Nice. And what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success in the syndication business? I think a lot of it's been really networking, I guess, would be my biggest thing. I mean, I kind of pointed to that lunch I had with the seller, just going out to lunch and saying, hey, if you got anything, let me know. And then also networking. I mean, we get up on stage. I speak at a lot of events, speaking at two events in May, uh, kind of just keep building the brand through networking. You know, we're hosting our second multifamily conference in LA, Santa Monica on June 22nd. So we're doing those things, kind of bring value to folks through education and networking as a way to be a conduit and resource for that. From your experience, you're just having lots of success and you've done really well in this business. And somebody that comes to you says, you know, got 30 seconds to talk to them. And they say, Kenny, how do I get started? What do I need to focus on? And what are you going to tell them? Yes, I always start out, you know, so do you want to be a passive or do you want to be a deal sponsor? Because those are two very different paths. Mm. If it's a passive, then network and find the deal sponsors that you like and that have done well, have a good track record. 
ask for references for folks that have actually invested in their deals. Do that, do your homework. If they say deal sponsor, then I'd say, well, how I got started was doing two passive deals because I knew I wanted to be a deal sponsor. I did that for a few reasons. One was to kind of learn the ropes. On One was a value play. One was a yield play. Secondly, the yield play was a Fannie Mae loan. And so that counted as my track record. Went out to go get my own Fannie Mae loan for Lakeside Village, our first syndication, 76 units. We got 81% leverage Fannie Mae loan from day one. Didn't have to bring any other kind of guarantors. So that really helped out too. So it kind of depends on which track they want to go. And then also too, on the deal sponsor side, I have what we call passive passives and active passives. So if someone wants to be an active passive, that's somebody who eventually is thinking about being a deal sponsor. And so if they just let me know that when they come in, then I let them know, hey, I'm going to be on site this day, find out to El Paso on Thursday. And one of the active passives, he's coming out from Massachusetts. He's coming out there for that, to be on site, to walk the units. This just kind of depends on make sure deal sponsors We'll work with you if you're someone who wants to learn the ropes. So before we have to go, we're about out of time. But so you invested passively, but with the understanding that you could also sign on the debt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to sign if you can on a non-recourse loan. That really gives you a leg up when you go to syndicate your first deal. It's much easier to get Fannie Mae financing or Freddie Mac doing that. Now, that's interesting. I haven't had anybody say that before. Like, you know, go and invest passively, but with the understanding you also get to sign on the debt. So you're more prepared for your own deal in the future. I mean, usually a great leg up. We've done, that allowed us to do non-recourse financing on say 98% of all the loans we've done from day one. So it's pretty awesome. How do you like to give back? We do a lot of stuff for our family. We do a lot of that on animals. My wife and daughter do a lot of work with Operation Kindness here in Dallas, Fort Worth. We do a lot with that. They mostly lead that up. They're more of a support role for that stuff, but that's typically how we do it. And then also too, I do I'm mentoring a college kid uh, from Baylor University as well. So we do those kind of things. And then again, the active passive kind of ways to, if I can help coach where I can. I'm not a mentor. I don't want to be a mentor. But if I can coach someone else that wants to do, that's a great thing to do. Awesome. Thank you, Kenny, so much for your time and just sharing your expertise and experience uh, with the listeners. Tell them how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your business. Sure. Yeah. So our website is wolf, W-O-L-F-E dash investments.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the social media places. You'll find us there. Great. Kenny, thank you again. Appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you'll connect with Kenny and I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. Happy to help you any way I can. And then also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show Facebook group uh, where we can learn and grow our businesses together with experts like Kenny. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.